Okay, here we go again. Well, time. Oh, okay. And welcome, welcome. again. I'm Andy. I'm Kana. And welcome to the Primacy Games. We uh, just started trying to record an intro to this episode, episode 19. Um, yeah. When when Kana started just rambling on, that didn't really make sense. And now I understand what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of thought we're we're still in the same bar that we recorded episode 18 in. Yep, uh, which is um, Sunny's. Sunny's House of Blues. Yep. And I'm still on the Young, young Henry's, young lager. Henry's lager, which is also on the El Hurricane Pinot Noir, which is the only red wine in the whole joint. And um, bear with us, we've already had a few because we, we recorded our last episode. Yes, just um, <laughs> moments not, not ago. Moments ago, so but two yeah. two weeks ago for those of you who are tuning in now. And yeah, what we were saying before is like, I think Kana thought someone did a run up. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, just as we started, there was a you know, bartender was running across the room. But how does that work? Like, yes. with, with drinks, you don't get your drink until after you've paid. You can't kind of... Run get, off with Unless it's like a, a shot or something, you know, give me a shot or whatever. Pour, bang, bang. Run. <laughs> yeah, you'd, you'd lose any... You'd, you'd lose any... Um, but you need to have some dramatic value. effect. You need to kind of slam the shot glass down <laughs> and then just... <laughs> Run like crazy shit out there, bar. Yeah, so I don't know what was going on there anyway. But, um, yeah, a bit of an amusement. Um, anyway, so, episode 19. Episode um, 19. I'm on to my third drink, fourth drink. Fourth for you. Third for I'll finish off number three. Yep. Um, Down. And, and we've number got um, another interview to give to you guys. I know. How cool we're running that? hot. I know, we're on fire. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Actually, this is, was just an interesting experience because we recorded both interviews within about an hour of each other. Yeah, that's right, on the same day. On the um, same day, which yeah, I think actually worked really, really well. We've kind of, because being based in Australia and 70% of most diplomacy players and people who listen to this podcast are in America, we've kind of worked out a nice little window. Yeah, there's a perfect window. Um, it's, it, it falls uh, Friday afternoon in American time. Or early, evening, early evening, early or evening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's perfect for us because we can get up at a reasonable time. Yeah. Um, Saturday morning or Sunday morning and um, be able to have a natter. With the Actually, person. I think I think between the between the interview that we had with Zulta and the interview that we're going to have for this episode, I went off and made myself lunch. Well, not lunch, breakfast. Well, I got to, I went down and grabbed a coffee and uh, some brekkie. So yeah, yeah. it's a good. Good morning. Um, so our interview oh, yes. e is Alex Alex Ronke. Right, no, I was going to say Ronke, but he pronounced it. No, he pronounced it Ronke. Didn't Ronke, he? yeah. I don't know. You'll, you'll find out soon, guys, because he touches <laughs> us straight in the away. Yeah. Um, so Alex, um, as uh, is, is, is well, we'll let the interview speak for itself. Um, well, yeah, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that. In a yeah, yeah, but yeah. First, we wanted just to touch on. Oh, but, but before, so just um, to give a very, very slight context for people tuning in, Alex, is, in fact, is a um, a player and a variant developer over at Play Diplomacy, who goes under the pseudonym of No Pun Intended. Yes, um, and he's. It, it definitely sounds like he knows his shit, Andy. He knows a fuckload better more than we do. More than I do. Yeah. Anyway, you know, it's either bullshit baffles or. Um, yeah, he actually knows it. Sounds like he knows it. I think he knows it. All uh, right. So, yeah. But you wanted to touch on a couple of things before we. Um, oh, you look so sincere. 
sincere and erstwhile. It's like, it's erstwhile. I think we called erstwhile. I know. It's, well, you know, it's taken 19 episodes for you to actually give me an erstwhile look. An erstwhile look. Sorry, erstwhile, not erstwhile. Cause es, es. <laughs> actually, um, I have been called erstwhile before. Yes. And um, I think Is it was yeah. um, Roughhouse called me erstwhile. Really? Yeah, he did. Erstwhile or erstwhile? Um, Is this no, like no, Ankara no, and Ankara? No. Oh, he may well have done that. No, no, he, um, a while ago he went through a whole heap of um, different well-known um, players on V-Diplomacy and he assigned them a Game of Thrones character. Was that Roughhouse? That was Roughhouse, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, I think it was. And um, so he, he, he actually assigned me Master Lewin. Lewin. Oh, yeah. Okay, so do you, watch, do, you watch, do you watch Game of Thrones? Um, my wife definitely does. I, um, oh, you are right. I, I, I keep in contact with it. I, I love the books, right? I, I, oh, I, actually, I, I, I listen to all of them. What's, it, what's um, the date? Today's the. We're actually recording this on the the twelfth of July. I think in about a week's time. So a week after people listen to this, Episode it's already come out. It's already yeah. come out. One, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. number two is just about to happen. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But anyway, Master Lewin was the keep. Was he the the maester? Maester, Maester Lewin. At and, was it Winterfell oh. or was it up on the wall? No, Winterfell. He was the old fellow, wasn't he? Master, Master Maester Lewin was the old guy. Who the took, really um, old guy who was a Targaryen. Ultimately a Targaryen. Yeah. Oh, that was up on the wall. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. But then he, uh, he, he anyway, yeah. He, so, he so, so, so how did Roughhouse describe you he, he in, calls, in Game of Thrones terms? Uh, uh, Maester Lewin, faithful friend, does far more than he's appreciated for until he's not around anymore, which I think is pretty succinct. I, I tend to get knocked out of um, games, yeah, um, from over assisting other players, perhaps. Um, so, I think that's, a, that's, that's a, a pretty fair, accurate, fair summary. Yeah. So do you know uh, who Roughhouse referred to me in the context of Game of Thrones? Oh, go on, yeah. It wasn't someone like, you know, the Khaleesi or some other random Paul. Yeah, um, no. I was described as Renly Baratheon. Renly, okay, right. This is going back, obviously, to uh, Series 2 within the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Storm of Swords in the book. All right. And his description of me was full of drive and ambition early on. <laughs> but easily distracted and cannot be bothered with ruling. <laughs> and so I reckon he's pretty much on the money for both of us. He's on the money, yeah. So, uh, Roughhouse, belatedly... Uh, uh, cheers. Well done. Cheers. We, we still and, uh, look at it and giggle about it. What, well, actually, what we need is, is Roughhouse to do... Because that was back in around about that... That was like two, three, four, five years ago. I don't know how long oh. ago he was he did that, that description. Three years ago, but he needs to give an update because there's been so many other characters since then. I'd love to hear his most recent analysis of Game of Thrones stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. Same oh, here. Players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, an updated Game of Thrones list. Roughhouse, I know you listen to this, mate. Go on. Does he? He does. I'm pretty sure he does. Oh, okay. Well, well, we better we better name drop it. We'll, we'll hashtag hashtag Roughhouse hashtag Roughhouse GOT. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag diplomacy shit. Anyway, totally distracted. You can tell always. You can always tell the difference between the first episode when we start recording on a back to back, and a back to back, and the second episode we're already fucking getting plastered. Well on our way. One thing we need to do one stage. I don't know when it'll happen, but we need to do like a back to back to back. 
Yeah, three sessions. Three, maybe yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, why not? Bugger it. It'll have to be on a it'll have to be on a Christmas see end of year stuff, I think. No, no, I've got lots of time on my hands. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> we won't yeah. go into that here. Actually, on that on that point of Christmas and, and whatever, last episode we talked about face-to-face World Diplomacy Championship. Yes. Are we going to do anything about a face-to-face tournament here in Australia? Like, are we going to make an effort this year or not? We were going to make an effort, eh? And that's in... Melbourne? It's in Melbourne. December? It, it usually falls about three-quarters of the way through the holiday. Poppycon. Poppycon. This yeah. is also the Bismarck Cup, but I don't know what the fuck that is. Oh, I've never heard of that. I think, Bismarck. Like, I think Bismarck Cup's like an Australian New Zealand thing. Right. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll, have to, we'll have to think about this and look into it more. Yes. Yes, we ought to. Because I saw a number of the players who participated in the um, Web Diplomacy Championship in Oxford. Yep. Um, there were not a number. There were some Australians there who I think were previous Poppycon uh, players. players. Yeah. Oh. You know, I reckon we ought to make an effort. I think what yeah. held me back because I'm a very self-disciplined person and like almost like, delay, I'll, like I'll delay gratification unless I actually uh, I'll set a standard I want to achieve this in my professional life or whatever like that and yeah. if I don't do that I'm not going to reward myself hmm. with a visit down to Melbourne and I reckon the way I'm currently tracking, Kane is giving me like knowing nods oh, and look yes, along yeah, the way, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, like yeah. he would as as as, as, as Master Lewin, Master Lewin, <laughs> with his little chains around his neck yeah. as he kind of scolds his you know young Just Henry's like, his, his lager, mead. Um, yeah. my mead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they drink. <laughs> I don't know. They anyway. all drink. Yeah, they're in their cups. They're but I reckon, wine. I reckon, yeah. I'm good. I'm good for the end of this year. Provided it doesn't actually fall at the same time that I'm away on holidays again. Yeah, well. Because I'm going on another cruise. The same time, like last year we went on a cruise around that time of the year. That's right. Cruise again, same time of the year. I might just spontaneously buy a ticket. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll get in touch. We'll find out more. Yeah, we'll find out more. We need to find the dates to start off with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. see if it's actually happening, maybe. Oh, I'm assuming it would. That's, that's an annual thing, isn't it? I don't know if happened every year. We'll find out. Anyway, we're yeah, We'll find out and get back to you. So, um, what were we talking about? Well, yeah, actually. Um, oh, yeah. You were wanting to talk about the boss. Oh, boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, okay, so, again, re- readers, viewers, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> this is recorded two weeks back in the past when the boss has just been unpaused, which was yes. interesting because a couple of my allies got in touch with me saying, hey, are you still doing XYZ move? And it's like, I can't remember what the fuck we were doing. It's okay. been like, um, crashed for three weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, to put this into context, the game was um, crashed because there was a... Um, well, I'm not particularly too sure. Sometimes games just crash for no particular reason. Yep. Um, it being an online environment, that just happens. Um, so, admin powers on my, ha- my side, I just uncrashed it. And it hasn't seemed to be an issue so far. Anyway, it was on uh, essentially a pause for three weeks. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. still communicate with each other, right? Yeah, but nobody did. It was, like a, it was like a wonderful Break. breath. Breath of, yeah, yeah, sit back, take a breath. Yes. Get okay. on with other shit. And how are people feeling now that it's sort of 
started back up again. Oh, good, good, good. Scheming's happening. Okay. Scheming's yeah. happening. Straight away into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit worried that you guys wouldn't, you know, you'd, you'd sort of lose interest a bit because of Oh, the no, 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 no. No. I'm, I'm kind of losing interest in my other known world games because I keep getting fucked over. Oh, my God, yes. Because um, these, yeah. one, these ones are anonymous and we don't know who each other are, but, you know, in yeah. certain events we know that, you know, if, if, if Kane and I get together and say we're being fucked over... Then we're being fucked over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it's a bit hard. It, it, it is hard. Um, but neither of us are... Look, I... I'm still, I'm still in both games. Are you still in both games? Barely. I think because no one's been eliminated yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, look, Actually, one I, game, a lot of people have been eliminated, haven't they? I, I, I do have to, to apologise in quasi-advance um, for uh, NMRing multiple times I, I really do and sincerely apologise to everyone in that game did you have a heart attack girl. like I um... know oh, it's not it's not even an excuse no no um, it, 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 it just was, Jesus other things came up and I'm a slack you're a slack bastard I'm a slack bastard and I really should have made a better effort anyway oh. don't beat yourself up well, actually, no. yeah, you should. I should. Yeah. I should. Yeah, it was pretty horrendous to actually do this, but I mean, last last yeah. episode, you know, half an hour ago, you're saying, "Hey, king of the world, I'm an admin." <laughs> it's like you're fucking in a mowing. What type of what, what type of president or prick does that? Yeah. What sort of president? What type of, you know, tweet, tweets oh. his thoughts every day of the week. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I was get, was getting at was. Both the boss game and the two known world tournament games, they're all played on the same map, aren't they? Well, they are. Known yeah. world. Yeah, okay. And remember back, all the way back in episode 17, which is our actually... Well, that's only three episodes ago. This is episode 19. 19, so two yeah. episodes. Two episodes ago. Depends how you count it with the map. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well... And remember we talked briefly, briefly, briefly around... There was that, at the time, like a viral YouTube video that was going around about history of the world or whatever like that. Yes. And it mentioned a couple of civilizations that, when I first listened to this one, my son got it and played it to me. I went, oh, fuck, you know, I've heard of those people because of the known world game. Okay. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I've started okay. listening to a couple of podcasts, but one in particular <laughs> has touched on the area around Oxum. Although, as I have found out the way they pronounce it, Axum. Axum. Well, you say Axum all the time, and I say Oxum. No, I say Oxum. Do you? Didn't you say Axum? Oh, fuck. <laughs> now you're getting confused. I'm getting <laughs> pissed and confused. That's a dangerous combination, Kana. Anyway, so as... But Oxen. anyway, they had... This, sorry, the podcast series is called The Lesser Bonaparts. The Lesser Bonaparts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now... I do kind of caution you, listen to their older stuff, not their newer stuff. Right. Newer stuff that seem to go on this tangential type of direction. And um, basically they had like a five or a six part series on the history of Ethiopia. Okay. Now being, what well, the whole premise of this is like there's some really big name podcasts out there at the moment, like your Dan Carlin's Hardcore History and so forth. Yep. You know, um... History of Rome, blah, blah, blah. All these things which are like quite big. Lesser Bonaparte, as the name goes, it focuses on the lesser events in history, like the lesser players. Okay. So you get things like, you know, History of Ethiopia. Fantastic. Which yeah. is like, as I said, like a four or five part series. 
and touched on Oxum slash Axum. I mean, and I was listening to this thing, and they're talking about Agilus and how at one stage this this civilization that was like light blue on the known world map started making its way over into the African Peninsula. Yeah, that's right. African, yeah. Arabian Peninsula. Arabian, Yemen. And, and, and how yeah, it kind yeah. of has relationships up with Egypt. And, the, and it was just amazing to hear the real life stuff about what I actually thought was a rather bland, unknown... Unusual. You know, unusual country on the board that I'd never heard of prior to... You know, diplomacy. There you go. So I'm learning shit, Kana. (laughs) Hats off, mate. Hats off. Well done for learning shit. (laughs) And then, on top of that, there was another series, which was around the um, uh, Tamerlane. Okay. Do you know Tamerlane? I know Tamerlane. Yeah. You know him well? Not personally, no. (laughs) We're pretty bloodthirsty bugger. You so Tamerlane, of course, was like... Spiritual heir to... Um, well, one of the sons of Genghis Khan, wasn't he? Not Tamerlane, no, 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 no. Was no. he the heir of an heir? No, he was... Um, like he came much later. He, he styled himself as being... I think he was related. descendant of the Khan, but he was actually... No. Uh, I'll listen to the podcast. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> so it's got to be real. It's on the internet. It's got to be, yeah, it's on the internet. Okay, go on. Anyway, anyway. so, and they talked a lot around um, uh, Samarkand. Okay, yes. Samarkand, well, that's where he grew up. Yeah, I know, which was the capital of his empire, which of course then went on to, you know, smash through all of, you know, um, Persia and keep going on and whatever like yeah, that. Got all the way to Byzantium, which caused yes. the Ottomans a lot of issues, you which know, is why the Ottomans... Outflanked the Byzantium, actually went all the way into Europe. Tamerlane got to Europe, I didn't realise it got to Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. <laughs> so... It was just interesting, again, these guys touched on this series around Tamerlane. Yeah. And um, I never kind of heard of the word Samarkand before. In fact, whenever I read the map on the oh, known world yeah, game, yeah. I always referred, I always actually kind of visually read it as Samarkland. <laughs> Samarkland. <laughs> and <it's> Samarkand. <laughs> Part of the Great Silk Road, mate. You got you got the Bukhara and, and Herat, you know the the, the Sogdia, you know the very like rich in in that that history of that whole trade route. You know, these places were prosperous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure um, the guy who invented algebra came from either Bukhara or. Samarkand. Ah, that was Al Algebra. Al Algebra. Al Algebra. That's right, yeah. Um, but one thing I always find when I'm listening to these history podcasts, right. they'll talk about a certain thing, like a person or a location. And when it came to Samarkand, I thought, what does Samarkand look like? Oh, yeah. So I went to Google Images and, and looked up Samarkand. And um, I should probably just quickly do it here now. Whilst I'm kind of crapping on. And um, I was blown away with how it actually looked. And it's like a you know, magical little place, so to speak. When you look at the um, pictures, look at, look at these little pictures here. Oh, fuck, what am I doing there? I don't know. So we're looking at um, the Blue Dome, the mosque. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 
one of the highest freestanding arches in the world for a long while, I think. And it looks amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, it's glorious. That, 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 that old city there looks, looks absolutely lovely. It'd be, I, I, it's always been somewhere I've wanted to go and visit. I know, but then yeah. you have a look. Say, for example, when the Soviets were running the shop... Oh, jeez, oh, look at that. Wait a sec, that's yeah. not it. Well, okay. uh, basically, they kind of had it... Like, they ran it down to shit. Um. So he's just typed in Soviet old city. Look at it. This is like falling apart. See, I would have loved to have seen it like that. Would you? Yeah. Don't you love ruins? I love looking at ruins. I love visiting ruins. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I like visiting ruins and I've visited plenty of ruins. Yeah. But they also look better when they're kind of done up. No, I, look, I think they look better when they're in a state of decay. There's something, um, but they don't reflect on what the, the grandeur of the country or the empire they represented. Well, look, I mean, a ruin shows that it, it, its empire has had its time. That's true. It's not artificially restored. That's true. Yeah, it, it, it shows it's there once was this. Yep. You know. Now um, there's this. Now there's this. Now it's become this. I. See, I would have preferred to have seen it like that, to be perfectly honest. The yeah, I think that's a drawing. Anyway. Anywho, anywho, anywho. So that was what you wanted to talk about with the book. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of oh, say the, that the, it's the interesting to find... Actually, it's like to kind of take, get a real-life application of places on a, a diplomacy map that I've never really heard of. Okay, yep. I've never really paid much attention to. And then all of a sudden they just randomly appear in like a podcast thing that I hear about, and I go, yeah. That's pretty cool. Ever think about visiting the Stone Belt? Have I thought about what? Stone Belt. What about it? It's somewhere in Siberia, right? Yeah. Why well, you want me to just Google it? Oh, let's Google that. Let's see what comes up, and then we'll move on to the next topic. You now, better start talking, otherwise it gets very dull for the listener. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Um, you, you also... Just just quickly while this is coming up, the boss itself. So people are jumping back into it. They're taking on their role and jumping back into the trading is that all <laughs> I google stone belt Russia and there's like a guy on a, a dirt motor bike. dirt bike yeah. going through the eh maybe that's where it is anyway um, might just be a region is it the Urals uh, who knows um, it looks like it's around where the Urals are well it's good that the boss oh, is the same dirt bike guy yeah okay we'll look at it up later oh, okay, look at so him don't get... me zoom in it'll be like Vladimir Putin it is it is Putin it is, is it? Putin <laughs> So, so we've moved on from known world, okay? Yes. Um, now, you wanted to uh, talk about so a couple of random ideas you had recently. Oh, on. I'm glad you're following the um, the cheat sheet or whatever we've got I, I, because I can't get my fucking iPad to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think, I need another so, drink. So there's something another drink. There's something about ninjas. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. All right, all right. Back to two. <laughs> what no, are you doing stopping it for? <laughs> I thought you were going to I was just, just having a drink. All right. No, um... There's something about ninjas. Ninjas? Ah, yes, 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 yes. Okay, so, let's talk podcasts again. You don't listen to many podcasts, do you? Not that many, no. No, no, you just kind of listen to habitually to the Diplomacy Games podcast and that's it? And that's it, no. I actually listen to a lot of audio books. That's my source of uh, reading literature. Oh, that's good. But I read, I read through listening, I suppose. It, it, it's a, it's a cop-out. Okay, okay. Yeah. But no, I don't listen to that many podcasts. So, apart from the, um, the Lesser Bonaparte that I talked about, I started listening to another one which was called Our Fake History. 
our fake history. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And um, it had a like one of their old school episodes, which myself and my son listened to, which was really really cool. Was about ninjas. Okay, ninjas. And basically, the whole premise of this particular podcast series is around about dispelling. Uh, I suppose myths. So basically, what is usually what's actually based in history, yep. but it's kind of um, merged or, or, or evolved over time into like pop culture. A, a pop culture or a myth. Okay. You know what I mean? So things that annoy the everlasting shit out of me is yes. watching things like Robin Hood or uh, the, the most recent one by with, with, with what's his face in it and just how unchronological uh, it is the other or, guy or the Kiwi like, guy uh, Russell Crowe Crow. yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry, know, sorry. Or, when, when, when it was like back in uh, the gladiator days anyone liked him the Australian guy but ever since he punched that guy with the telephone the Kiwi guy or things like um, you know uh, Arthur which is like Arthur with Dudley Moore? Oh my god, like just. Look, look, it, oh, he's got Arthur, the. the, the um, yeah, nice little round table. Look at the Hollywood's vision. Not the guy with top hat. Hollywood's the, vision of history, and it's it's just unchronological mishmash of shit that just gets thrust into it. Yeah. Just to make a story or just to make it politically correct or something or rather. How all these people get around with bloody, you know, perfect dentistry and, you know, unblemished faces is beyond in the me back in the 14th, 15th, 13th century or whatever yeah, yeah. middle of the black death or something I mean for fuck's sake get your stuff right you know it annoys the everlasting shit out of me and I, I that's why you get all aggressive when you watch Game of Thrones isn't it I love Game of Thrones because it's a fantasy world I can just sort of oh yeah whatever <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to pay attention to the history they, they all had wonderful dentistry back then if you were oh, on I, don't know, I don't know maybe they got some uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, maybe the, the Masons have some sort of, I don't know, magic teeth cleaning fluid or something. But I, I, I think yeah. that, um, what was the name of the guy? It's been so long since the Game of Thrones has been on. Um, You're going to have to watch this. No, yeah, we've actually, what's, um, so Cersei Lannister, what's her brother? Jamie. Yeah, I think he has a magical teeth cleaning oh, definitely. formula yeah. for her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there, mate. <laughs> oh, folks, we shouldn't drink so much. <laughs> you were talking about ninjas. Was I? Yes, you okay. <laughs> Anyway, so this particular podcast talks a little bit about, you know, dispelling pop culture and whatever like that. But it got me to think around, and you know for me, when I'm thinking about variants, I yep. usually like historically accurate periods. You like to place it in a historical narrative, yep. Absolutely. Now, what I was thinking about was a Sengoku map. Okay, yes. Which is a pretty cool balance map in itself. It's a nice map. Yeah, it's a nice map. So, um, are you, by the way, are you still in your Sengoku tournament? No, it's all finished now. Yeah? yeah. How'd you go? Um, Did you win anything? I won one. I drew in a couple. But the rest I was knocked out. So how'd you come in the tournament? Not sure. It hasn't been up. No one's updated it yet. It's still ongoing, but I've been knocked out of the last ongoing one. Oh, yeah, gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha. So it's when still that a game finishes, going, and the results will come out. Yeah. Very, very cool. So um, now, listening to this particular podcast around the ninjas, I can't remember because I'm too drunk at the moment. Around 
So you're thinking, you know, based in Japan, yeah. Samurais versus ninjas. Samurais versus ninjas. How cool is that? Well, how would you do that? Okay, just split it in half, or just have like 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 multi thing. Like one province has a samurai, one so, province has a ninja, and just when you think ninjas, what do you think? Oh, guys in black with long swords climbing over walls. Yeah, think and beyond jumping that. Across jumping across roofs. Jumping across roofs. Kind of extend that thinking further. Keep going and, you know, just flying through a bamboo forest. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. Keep going further. Um, ninja stars. Yeah, yeah. So they're all agile. They're all fast. You know what I mean? But they're not wearing, like, the heavy armour of a samurai. They're usually wearing just, you know, the, the black cloak and shit. Although the podcast actually says they're blue in real life. But anyway... In, in comparison, though, one of the samurai armor not very heavy. What compared to a ninja? Well, I'm comparing it to a, a sorry, a, a European knight who had heavy okay. armor. This is based in Japan. Yeah, okay. Samurais versus ninjas. Not samurais versus medieval European knights. So, so in reality, ninjas versus had, dinosaurs. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. I see it. So, a two-player map on. Two-player map, okay? Yeah. Now, this is probably going to never happen whilst Ollie's still kind of having a bit of a... working through shit. So... You should drop like. Kung Fu Panda in there somewhere. <laughs> isn't Kung Fu Chinese? Oh, is it? Okay, all right. Or Jiu-Jitsu. Where's that from? I think that's from Okinawa. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, look. I'm, just throwing oh, no, it's karate. I'm, I'm deliberately trying to distract you. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go. It's easy to anyway, go. So I was thinking in this particular map, a Sengoku map. Okay. Yes. Two player, one versus one. Okay. Okay. The ninjas have double movement points because they're so swift. They can jump over things. Yeah. All right. Okay. Right. But the samurai. They're tough. They've got lots of armor compared to a ninja. They maybe have like one and a half points when it comes to um, strength. their strength. So like, you need two ninjas to take out a samurai. Okay. All right. But like one samurai versus one ninja is like a bounce because it's one versus one because they're both you know ninja stars swords. About the same. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Yep. Right. But. The coding-wise of this... Well, it sounds like a nightmare to start with, but... Well, it is, when we've got nobody kind of doing any of this. But, you know, just suspend reality for a moment, okay? Okay, suspend disbelief. Now, you know this from being an actual variant developer, and most people wouldn't actually know the way that sometimes we do some tricky shit within the variant maps, where the actual... things to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's well, you right. Well, you could set samurais as armies and ninjas as fleets to get around. Yes, that. you have got it, okay? Right. So, yeah. samurais armies... Ninja's fleets. Yeah. The land within um, Japan, land. The water around it, water. No, no, sorry, sorry. The land is actually coast. Yeah. So that yeah. a ninja can go in the middle of like. The weird ass thing though is you couldn't have any connections to the ocean or to the seas by your ninjas. No, but unless they can dance on waves or something. Ninja yeah. pop culture yeah. is they have. What is it? Is it spider walking shoes? Spider walking, water, water, water walking shoes. I can't remember. I'm too drunk. Okay. But the idea was I'd probably modify the map so you don't kind of, so, you know you can't go walking out in the middle of the fucking Pacific Ocean on this map. But maybe just around the coastlines you can. So that oh, fuck, I hit the wrong button. So 
the it's ninjas. Kind of like, um, ninja Jesuses. Ninjas can kind of walk on water okay. with their special little walking shoes that they've got. <laughs> but the samurais can't. But they're big, tough guys with you know lots of armor and shit. So I'm interested in the concept. It probably never happened because a nobody's really proactively doing variant stuff. But we'll get to that later. You just want to avoid the possibility of a ninja convoying a samurai. Well, you can't. <laughs> because well, you because you, no, you code things up so that the ninjas can only build fleets and the samurai can only build arms. Yeah, yeah, but, but a ninja happens to be in Wasoka Bay yes. and a samurai happens to be Tango Yes. and they thought, fuck it, let's, for it, let's do a laugh and um, Wasaka Bay ninja convoys Tango to Norto. So... So all why, these left okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would in a one versus one game, why would you yeah, actually why, convey why your convey, convoy, convoy your enemy. enemy from one location into your supply center? Yeah, shits and giggles. <laughs> shits and giggles. Because it'd be funny as <laughs> Kana, I think you need another drink, mate. We do, we do. And um, actually that's a great spot to just jump straight into the interview we've had. I still haven't I still haven't got my other thing done. Yeah, well we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of it, okay? So oh, guys no. While we get our drinks, whatever. Um, here's our interview with um, Alex. We haven't set it up though. Oh, but we need a drink. <laughs> Look, we'll come back. <laughs> we figure this out, and we're back in a tip. Okay. And, and I think we might be back. And we, we are back. And um, and you've just been a gazumped by fake news, fake, fake posters. News, fake, yeah, it didn't exist just on the internet. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking at a poster right now. Um, that's got the Sex Pistols damned with the special guests The Clash, right? And New Year's Eve, 1976. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's an older-looking poster, and it actually looks quite authentic. It does look um, authentic. And it, it, it says, presented here, Sonny's House of Blues. Um, and it couldn't be true, because Sonny's hasn't been here this long. Nah. No. So, so, <laughs> um, Especially think, seeing yeah, it's... Yeah. But, I mean, awesome. Hey, I mean, can you imagine seeing the Sex Pistols, The Damned, and The Clash? Man, that would have been I must admit, I don't know The Damned. Uh, Sorry. Oh, you'd recognise their music. Yeah? Yeah, you would. First hop on YouTube, start randomly YouTubing it, I'll find it. You can find something. Yeah, anyway. But The Clash and Sex Pistols. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move away from your samurai. Oh, yeah, so my other other very nice idea. Cheers. It actually relates back to. Whoa! What happened there? Oh, uh, it's, it's a, a pull yeah, stick. Pull stick. off the pillow. Yeah. Oh, you had another variant idea. Yeah. Look. Yeah. This is a bit of a. This actually is not just one idea. It's multiple ideas, but it's based around a series. Okay. Okay. So, the idea being, and this kind of came out from the fact that we last episode we talked about ancient Mediterranean. Yes. Okay. And I've previously talked around the idea of, say, a Roman one where, I can't remember the name because I'm too drunk and couldn't actually bother writing it down, where at one stage the Roman Empire was split up amongst four different rulers. Um, yeah, it was at one stage. There was four. There was like an east and a west and an upper and a lower and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. But so they all shared their power, didn't they? Yeah. Theoretically shared. Yeah, that's, that's it. So my view was, how about like a series... Like, it's like a century series. Every hundred years, 
the map is kind of revised. So you have like all these different variants based around, say, 901. Okay, cool. 1001. 1101. 1201. Yeah. And basically, you kind of almost like draw a line around here's where things were at in real life. Insert players now. I have a program, and I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you somehow. Um, it's basically shows a thousand years of history. Is it a program? By, or a YouTube video or something? By half year increments wow. of Europe. Yeah. And you can just hit it and you can speed it up and slow it down and it, and it um, just changes the territorial ownership of these regions as the time goes by to break it down really fascinating to watch when I was back at school in the 80s they actually had in the library literally exactly that it was like a book doing that doing that you know whatever was the period of time you know what I mean and you can kind of go through it from the point of view of you know back at this particular date and you can kind of see how things ebbed and flowed and whatever yes yeah yeah it's really amazing really fascinating to watch Um, I I love love the maps a really good one like that I saw uh, it was an animated uh, examination of uh, the Khmer Empire. Oh yeah, yeah. You've always wanted to do a variant on them. I have always wanted to do a variant on the Khmer. Um, I just don't know how that would. I still haven't figured out how to work it. I might have to flip it upside down. Just to. So talking, yeah. talking variants. Um, the so, one variant that was, for example, obviously things are a bit slow at the moment. Yes, yes. Within VDIP on the whole variant front. Now, um, you are playing there was like a, at the moment. Am I? Uh, with another... Sorry. You're getting yourself getting ahead of yourself there, so, Kana. Yeah. So, over in Diplo Lab, the Russian um, diplomacy side. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Flame. So, so, lab. Yep, there was yep. the lab that was set up there by Flame. And he has actually made the Napoleonic game now live and publicly available to Diplomail players. Yeah. Only unfortunate thing is you've probably got to have a very convasive grasp of the Russian, Russian language. language yeah. Unless you've got a group of guys who are wanting to play it and you jump across and play a game there. You could do that. Yeah. But it'd be good, I mean, the fact that this has been up and running, you know, I was involved in the in the playtest game, you were kind of involved kind of until involved. you NMR'd again. Well, you know, work stopped my access to, um, because it was a Russian site, and I found it really difficult to keep up with it. Russian? <laughs> yeah, seriously? Yeah, seriously. They blocked it, and the only reason they blocked it was because it was Russian. They had the dot RU there, right? I spoke about this a couple of episodes ago, but yeah. And it, it actually goes to show how much um, <laughs> how much diplomacy I do at work. <laughs> I have trouble keeping up with my games. Quiet, quiet, Taylor. We're not meant to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, that particular variant is now over at Diplo Lab, mm-hmm. and obviously it's been proven within the PHP environment. I enjoyed the game. You kind of in mind, but we won't go there because of that various issue that you said. Yep. Um, and I think it's actually got a lot of lot of promise. It's one of those ones where I think there was um, Flame publicised it within VDIP. He said, hey, I'm going to go live with this. Yep. And a couple of people went over to the map and said, where are the neutral SCs? Well, I joined up thinking there was 
SCs as, as well. As I just naturally assumed that as well. Joined, thinking, oh, this is a beautiful map, and didn't even realise there was yes. no aesthetically gorgeous map, beautiful, yeah. And I love the way that the territories. And we actually covered this in a previous episode, but yeah, no, yeah. no neutral SCs, which Look, makes I, it a, a yeah. really good challenge. I think that variant would very quickly gain a dedicated following. I, I really do. Oh, you know, yeah. Guys who start like I know, I know. For myself, there's a, there's a few variants where if they come up on a new games list, I go, "Oh, you're twisting my rubber arm." I'll just join it. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. join it so I can end my later. Yeah, at the moment, <laughs> look, yeah, no, no, I've cut right back on my um, on my games, um, but you know, twist twisting the rubber arm and. You know, those are the sort of ones which I look at playing over and above other ones, right? Because I just enjoy those maps. I like those, um, that challenge that map presents. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the opportunities and different dynamics that that map gives. And um, I, I reckon that that Napoleon variant would quickly gain a group of people who would just deeply love that variant. I do. Oh, I totally yeah. agree with you. It was a great game. Um, the playtest that we had over in, in um, Diplo Lab, as a result of Naples um, MMRing, because he was a sh- he was a shit player. Yeah, just an arsehole. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a great game, and I kind of it ebbed and flowed at a certain point. I actually played the Ottomans. Yes. And I don't know if you saw this because actually, to be honest, you probably didn't because you were having a bit of a sleep at the time. Um, have I said that enough? Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, okay, no, okay no, shut no, the fuck no. up. Um, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just scrolling, 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 scrolling. There was one point in time... Oh, come on, hurry up. So the playtest went for quite some time. It was rigorously tested. Um, no surprise anywhere from, uh, you know, Andy's ribbing of me as I was actually playing Naples. Um... And I and played of the Ottomans. Yeah, that's right. And there's a few other players who played it. Um, you've got you've got the Russians, you've got the Prussians, you've got uh, England. Okay, got. Let's start again. You got England, France, Spain. Who got eliminated? Naples. Was Spain one of them? Yeah, yeah, Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Austria. Prussia. He was eliminated. Denmark. Prussia got eliminated first. Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. Russia. And the Ottomans. And yeah. the winner, in fact, was the Swedes. Which, anyway, so you're jumping back in time here to this particular point. Oh, I was just trying to find yeah, this. knife edge. No, it was just no. all fucked up. I can't find the fucking thing. Anyway, there's some point in time where basically, as, as the Ottomans, all of my units were smack bang in the middle of the Austria. Austro-Hungarian homeland. Oh, I think you found it right there. Yeah, yeah it must have been a moment before that. And all of the Austrian units were actually all the way in back in the Ottoman homeland. Oh, right here. So swap, you swapped territories, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Well, that's the only way to grow was to attack people. Well, the hard part about all this, though, was... And this is the, the thing about this particular map. It's actually not this particular map. It's most maps. You can only build in your home supply centres. 
So oh. from the point of view about Austria losing all of his home supply centres to me and me losing all my home supply centres to Austria and yeah, Russia... Yeah, that's not, that's not that, particularly helpful to yeah, anyone, is it? it's not very helpful at yeah. all. Yeah. I did try and help a little bit when I was about. When I was about. When but was this about. game ebbed and flowed. Um, France starts off as a... That's the same way like a thing... He starts off fairly powerful. It sounds powerful. He's yeah. not like uber powerful. He wouldn't be unstoppable if there was a. No, and that's what that's what he's really good about. He wouldn't be an easy target either, which is a, but a nice balance. He he quickly made short work of, of Spain. He started attacking you and Naples pretty quickly. He started attacking out Prussia pretty quickly. But at that point of time, Sweden had managed to successfully smash Norway, smash Russia, smash what was left of Prussia. And um, it didn't take too long for the... And I must admit, because this was a, maybe a playtest game within the lab, you weren't the only one who MMR. Yeah, no, no. So it would and have been um, I think just France MMR'd a number of times, which caused, you know, Sweden to kind of just roll over everybody. Yeah. But it would be a good addition to have on the side. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. It's a lovely map. It's got some really good, um, intriguing, not intriguing connection. It's, it's, I think it's got a lot of potential. A lot of potential. What are you looking at? We've been going for 47 minutes already here. We haven't even got to the interview. We haven't even got to the interview. Oh, fuck, we've got to wrap it up, eh? <laughs> We're getting close, but we'll just make this an extra long, an extra long episode. Double episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because what you're saying is interesting, and there was one more point that we wanted to talk about, is you're playing a, um, a dissolution. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this gets into our interview with, with Alex yeah. um, from Play Diplomacy. Um, I'm currently involved in the, uh, the current game over there. And I think last... Sorry, not last time. Back in episode 17, you and I had a bit of a conversation when I was trying to explain the rules of the game where you were getting a bit exasperated. Oh, yeah, so it has some weird com... Uh, some weird... Um, 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 convoy rules surrounding the aeroplane units and some interesting... Um, That's just the start of it. Yeah, We didn't yeah, even yeah, get into all the other shit. We didn't get into that stuff. Uh, the other... The other uh, yeah, you can buy points to influence uh, certain major powers in the region, and it's... Oh, look... Alex does a really good job of describing what that's about. He does. He does. He does. Um, and as is, 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 is the way he puts it, he said, he said, well, what particular historical moment with the breakup yeah. of the, um, Soviet the Soviet Union, the uh, collapse of the Warsaw Pact and yeah, whatever yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, and how can diplomacy kind of uh, reflect how that works, yeah. Because it, 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 what was he put it that um, it, it, the, the game of diplomacy, the mechanics of diplomacy, really work well for um, that, that turn of the century and earlier kind of land warfare. Yep. Um, the fleet's kind of playing a secondary role. Um, but in the modern era, well, we have different technologies, and how does that really um, influence? And, and and how can he best kind of represent? Well, that's right. It's it's, those, a, it's about um, 
you know, you're not just got armies and fleets, but some players have air wings. So, you know, units that can kind of effectively paratroop armies behind enemy lines. And on top of that, you've also got nuclear powers who are non-playing players. Yep. But you can influence them through your allocation of diplomacy points, which is based on how many supply centres you own in combination with how many um, locations that have got oil, which actually makes a lot of sense within the modern world. Now, we touched on this uh, two episodes ago, and you thought you were going rather shit at us. Yes. are you going at the moment? Well, by the time listeners listen to this, it'll be two years... I was going to say two years in the future. Two, years, two, two weeks. weeks in the future. <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe two years. Depends, um, but yeah. It's it's interesting because I got stabbed in the back by Ethiopia, and um, there's been some slight changes since then. Oh yes, yep, yep. But I don't know. I'm interested You're to see where hanging these, in there. I'm hanging in at the moment. It's been what a couple of months now. Hasn't been that long since we got together. No, for a instance. month. A month. Yeah, probably a little over a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was expecting to see, like, you know, one unit, if none. <laughs> well, the way little faith. Okay. So we have had a couple of pauses along the way because of um, 4th of July and people being away and shit like that. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, I'm saying, I'm actually, I reckon now, if I'm being brutal, unless, of course, there's some, like, them random wildcat rules out there, which do crop up from now and then. You haven't got your head around. Yet. I think I've actually okay, got my head around the game. Okay, cool. So um, it's now actually coming down to how do I apply those weird and wacky rules to normal diplomacy gameplay. Okay. Yep. How's that working out for you? Um, no. It's going okay. Not fantastic. And in fact, I did a bit of a fuck up on. Um, Recently, I'll kind of just go back a screen so you can kind of see okay. where I was like trying to play one player against the other. That didn't really work out because so I was trying to help one player against another. Oh, but then okay. that kind of yeah. created issues with that player whilst I started attacking this player. So you're saying you tried to help out Ethiopia oh, to attack? No, no, we're not giving away our identity. <laughs> Oh, don't give, okay, don't give away my gameplay. <laughs> I suppose you can edit that one out. Um, and your your iPad's just gone and had a shit and stuff. Um, oh yeah, okay. Um, okay, yeah. Oh right, yeah. I'm 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 sorry. I misunderstood what you were talking about there. And then of um, course, you know, yeah. the the thing about which I found was really interesting, which we'll soon find out as people listen to this interview with Alex. It's about the nature of um, neutral states and how you can allocate your diplomacy points to influence what they do. Yes. But players don't know what those who's other, allocated, who's allocated what. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a perfect segue to talk about. Um, well, well, introduce the interview. In hey, um, so Alex uh, is uh, the creator of this particular variant, um, as well as 18, the 1812 Overture. Yep, and he's worked with Baron von Powell on the 1900 and um, was uh, it the Two Towers or did he have something else? Two Towers else? and um, that uh, War of Succession one. Oh, the um, 
anyway, but yeah, look, he's, he's very, he's very uh, prolific over at PlayDip. Um, yep. He's known to us in WebDip as no pun intended, and VDip, and um, he's got some really cool things to talk about. I hope you guys really give it time of day because I, like, mate, I, I got really excited about some of the stuff he was talking about. Eh? You know, like. Especially yeah. the stuff towards the end. Towards the end was really, really so, interesting. All right, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. All right. Welcome to uh, another interview here on uh, Diplomacy Games. Today we're joined by Alex Ronke. I actually should have checked. It's is it pronounced Ronke? Yeah, it's it's a it's a last name is pronounced Ronka. Um, okay. The oh. e has a yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's a it's a common uh, mistake. And, and far more common, no doubt, with Australians who can't pronounce anything, especially after a few drinks. Uh, it's fine. It, nobody nobody gets that one. It's it's like a German E at the end, so it has a schwa sound, Ronka. So um, Alex is uh, a regular player and also a contributor when it comes to variants on play diplomacy. Um, some of you who are from play diplomacy probably know him better from his handle there, which is no pun intended. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your diplomacy experience, Alex, and what got you started? Sure. Um, so I had had some cousins that played it long, long time back. They, they played it in a European history class. And, uh, a couple of years later, they got it for me as a gift, like the, uh, the most recent Avalon Hill edition. And, uh, I'd heard of the game before, but just kind of got really interested and, uh, um, didn't end up using the board, the actual board set a ton, realizing it was kind of a hassle to, to both set that up and to keep it going in a physical sense. But I did end up playing quite a bit with coworkers and with friends. Um, we used a, a program called JDIP, which you may run into to adjudicate. It's an offline program, so not like uh, playing online, but, but really kind of flexible in terms of uh, uh, how orders are input and things like that. Um, and... Uh, that I played that for a while. It kind of took a pause for a bit. Came back um, probably about, I guess, now about two years or so ago um, and read about just kind of variants that had um, been successful and sort of seeing which ones, you know, there were a ton of variants out there, but which ones were getting a lot of like high praise. And one of them was called 1900, um, the, a variant by Baron von Powell. And when I read about that, I was just really wanting to play it. I was like, all right, I got to try this out. And the only real place to play it was Play Diplomacy. So that kind of got me hooked on that site. Um, I have a few misgivings about its interface that apparently um, that they're doing a full upgrade of. So I'm really kind of curious to see where that goes. But, uh, but yeah, I've uh, really gotten into that site and I've really grown to like their play by forum community. Um, it's a really good test bed. There's a whole lot of people there just interested in trying out new variants. So um, within within that space, obviously that was the one um, variant that kind of attracted you there. What other variants have you found of particular interest within play diplomacy? So my favorite thing to do, um, the, one of the great things about play diplomacy is they have a lot of like mix in rules where you just hit a checkbox or something else to turn one rule on and one rule off. Um, and you can use these mostly mix and match throughout all their maps. Um, and the one that I've played a whole lot of um, that I had some early success with, and though I'm kind of on a losing streak right now, is called a, what they call Age of Empires, where you start with um, one supply center 
and no units, and you just immediately build in that supply center, and then from then on, it's build everywhere. So you just kind of work with this one unit, and you move around the map, and you're you're building up this little empire. And then you can mix in a bunch of other things too. So like fog of war plus that makes it almost sort of this civilization type experience. Um, it ends up being a very different game. It's not really diplomacy at that stage, um, especially if you have press turned off. But it's a really fun thing to play, um, and especially on their Versailles map. Um, so you're, you had a previous interview with uh, Dipsy, and he was telling you about how Versailles worked um, in the kind of traditional, like, here's how you play the game sense. Well, Versailles really takes on a different role when you're playing uh, AoE, because now minors and majors, there's not a real difference, um, because you're both starting with one. And so like, one of my first AOE games in playing Versailles, I ended up soloing with Egypt, which is one of the little ones. Um, and it took like, I mean, I, it was Egypt and Italy, but Italy was, you know, maybe a quarter of the size of what Egypt eventually grew to. Um, and so that, that kind of flavor where things can be, you know, where things can kind of take a just totally different path. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's like the greatest diplomacy variant, but it's definitely one of the best things that I've enjoyed playing on the web um, as a web, as a, just a web experience. No, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so you, you said, what, what, what do you think actually is the greatest diplomacy variant then? Oh, see, that's not fair because <laughs> when I get, I, I, I can go. I guess I can go into this early, but um, yeah, go on. I don't really see diplomacy as a single game and I don't really see a single variant as being the best mainly because I kind of treat diplomacy almost like a platform um, rather than a game itself. And so, and I, and whether people put it in that same word or not, I find that a lot of variant players sort of do the same thing. Um, to me, diplomacy is almost like um, advanced dungeons and dragons. Like an AD and D was a platform but the real game came out of your GM or whichever books you were using and you could throw in, okay, now you're in this elf world or this dragon world or whatever. Another thing my cousins played a whole lot. Um, and there are other RPGs and that has had other additions. Um, but it's, it's not that there, you, you might have a favorite campaign, but what you really like to do is play a variety. You like to sort of try on these different things. And so, yeah, um, I would say of the variants that are, most accessible i have a lot of respect for 1900 i think that probably ranks high for me um of variants that really challenge the player um and really and really add a lot of extra rules and excluding ones that i've made myself um, <laughs> um i'd say uh college of cardinals um which i played it's another uh, baron von powell one. and it's uh and Ambi been playing Dissolution, but it's actually more complicated than Dissolution, um, if you can imagine that. Um, there's this whole set of rules about the papacy and things like that that get really crazy. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, so seeing Dissolution, when I first kind of started playing it, I did my head in on it. Um, this sounds like it'll be very, very interesting. Um, maybe I need to kind of at least get Dissolution under my belt first. Uh, speaking of which, at the, at the last, uh, say, well, depending on when we kind of released this particular interview, I think it was was it episode seventeen or podcast episode seventeen, we talked a little bit about disillusion, 
and um, I tried, obviously I'd only been playing for a few days and trying to explain the game to Kana, and Kana, of course, had some difficulties with it, didn't you, Kana? Uh, yeah, yeah, had a bit of trouble getting my head around some of those um, uh, those, those movement rules. So this is, Understandable. So this is... This is where I was obviously introduced to you, Alex, as you're the, the, both the creator of uh, Disillusion, which is, you know, the, the variant about the fall of the Soviet Union, what happens afterwards, and also the Game Master. Um, obviously, I didn't do the most brilliant job because it took, you know, Kana about 15 minutes to kind of get the basic concept about how air wings work. And even now, as you know, when I submit my orders to you, I still probably describe them incorrectly. Um, but do you want to talk a little bit around about that variant that you created and, and what was the what was the inspiration for it what made you think yeah something like this would be good yeah so um dissolution uh specifically one one major component of it is the dp system um diplomacy points um and i did not invent that system that system has been used by a few different designers baron von powell jeff case um charles foie de la croix um, and it's, it's a system where every orders phase, you have points that you can assign to the neutral units who are on the map, if there are still neutral units on the map, which, um, I'll get to in a moment. Um, and you're basically voting for orders. Um, it's not, it's not so much who, who spends the most that gets to say it, it's which order gets the most. So the idea is to collaborate with other players, potentially even players that normally you wouldn't communicate with in a traditional diplomacy game um, because they're so far away from you that they can't really do much with you. Um, but because all those are secret, um, those votes that is, and only the, the winning vote, or if there is no clear winner, it just turns into a hold, but only that resulting order uh, comes out of it, um, it, it adds, um, it's it really does a good job of simulating a non-player character. Um, it's like you're negotiating with them, but it's abstracted into points. So, you know, this non-player character, you're not going to know until like the, after the game's over and the GM reveals it to you. You're not going to know who it is who it is that that told that NPC to do that. Um, so we we played a, I, I ran a game of uh, Ambition and Empire earlier this year. And we had in one of the very first turns, um, Portugal, which was the, an NPC, bounced another unit that was trying to go to Mid-Atlantic. And that was not supposed to happen, according to the person who was trying to get there. Like, there was no, there was no discussion of what Portugal should do. And he had suspicions as to who had done it, but everybody was denying it. Um, and it kind of set off this long train of suspicion where basically a lot of back-and-forth backstabbing because he just didn't know who had done it in the first place. And so that element of secrecy about who had initially put that point into Portugal um, made a really big difference to the game and actually probably ended up losing it for all of them that had been involved in that. Um, it was, or at least it was a contributing factor. Um, but they, it's, it's an interesting way to... Um, and it's also an interesting way to quietly betray people that you're supposed to be ostensibly helping. So um, if if you want to make it seem like you're somebody's friend, um, you have all your units doing one thing, but you very quietly assign points to these other neutral units. And 
make it look like somebody else has, you know, caused those orders. But, uh, but you know, they, they maybe foil all your attempts at helping someone. So maybe you even have them order to cut your own support in a way to make sure that somebody gets dislodged or something like that. You can do some really inventive stuff with DP. And uh, the great thing about it is that it fits really well into scenarios where there's more than just a few big powers on the map. Um, instead of having lots of spaces that you can just walk into, like in classic diplomacy, um, you know, you can really just walk into Romania and Serbia and such like that. It's it gives that little spot at least a temporary fighting chance and a and a way to influence the game. Um, and so there have been a lot of really fascinating variants that have been built up around that idea of a DP system. And I wanted to do one of my own. Um, and so that's that's the start, is I wanted to make a DP-based variant. I had not done that on my own before. I collaborated with Baron on uh, the recent edition of Ambition and Empire, but I hadn't kind of built one of my own from the ground up. And so that was the beginning. And I the other kind of side of it was that I wanted to see something done in the modern era that actually took into account how wars are fought today. I mean, if we if we look at, especially the post-Cold War era, if we think about World War One, especially, um, it maps really well to what diplomacy eventually became because it, it was a war that was all about alliances and imperialism and um, people making promises to one another, rulers rather, making promises to one another that then kind of entailed them to get into combat. But now the framework has shifted with the nuclear age um, most wars are not fought with guns but with arguments at the uh, UN Security Council table um, and so there's this kind of everybody some people call it the new peace where you know there's still conflicts in the world but if you look at the scale of them um, they're such drastically lower casualties compared to what we saw in World War II and um, and Vietnam and such that that now we're in an era where it, it's not like we're everybody's happy and peaceful. That's that's not happening and it's not going to happen. But but the big gigantic powers, at least until Russia decided to invade Ukraine, um, have not really been playing the same role that they used to. They're they're kind of taking turns playing manipulator and policeman um, throughout the world, but they're not expanding borders and they're not uh you know conquering each other it's because it, there's just too much fear of that escalating into something much much worse and so that being the case looking at some other modern variants uh like the one that's called modern which does an interesting job of kind of setting up a map in the 1990s and and giving units based on population or whatever that still plays like a diplomacy variant but it doesn't really play like a post-Cold War era. You know, you're not going to see France just send an army into Munich for the hell of it. And so really thinking about the 1990s especially and thinking about the end of the Cold War, I ended up landing on 1992 um, because it was just a few years after 89 when a lot of Eastern European communist nations uh, had seen revolutions and some of them peaceful, some of them not. Um, and then 92 itself, um, just after the, the Soviet Union itself had broken up. 
And I, I really wanted to play on this idea of not necessarily what did happen, but how poorly things could have gone. Um, because with that kind of power vacuum created, um, I think we're all extremely lucky that Eastern Europe didn't turn into uh, a war-soaked cesspool. Um, we're extremely lucky that, um, that as bad as the Middle East has been, that it didn't get any worse. Um, because even though it itself was not under the, the direct purview of the Soviet Union, the, the, constant, in, the constant influence and underhandedness that came from both the U.S. and the USSR, use, sort of using the Middle East and North Africa as their kind of proxy battleground, um, that had gone on for years and was, there was, it could have continued, but, but instead we have kind of what we have today, which is rather persistent conflict, but nothing quite to the scale of what you would see in diplomacy. So this is not, the dissolution is not sort of saying, hey, let's simulate the 90s, as much as saying, um, if things went as badly as they could have possibly gone, um, then maybe all these little fledgling nations that had sprouted off either as um, ex-communist countries or Middle Eastern nations that finally are out of the the shadow of the two big giants. Um, if I, if anybody had gotten a particular imperialist notion in their head, like how could they have risen to power in the same way that we look at when we're, we're talking about diplomacy? So that's that's kind of the framework I wanted to go with that. And look, I think that actually makes now that you've explained it, and and this is weird. It, I'm kind of going back to the 1990s at the moment with the way you um, outline that, and you're 100% correct because if you looked at what happened to the former Yugoslavia, that's a, a perfect localized example of exactly what happens within that as, as occurs actually within disillusion, how you have that whole Eastern Europe kind of end up kind of attacking each other. This is more like an internal attack within the, the boundaries of the former Yugoslavia. So it definitely happened. Um, and also casting my mind back to, you know, if it's set around 1992, I mean, that was just the, you know, one year after um, the push against Mikhail Gorbachev and then, you know, the hardline Soviets tried to take back over again and then there was that little revolution thing with Boris Yeltsin who became everybody's best friend, especially when he was getting plastered on vodka. So you're, you're, you're right, it works well in that context and the funny part is when I've been playing it, I've probably been looking at it more through the lens of today where you think, oh, look, does it actually make sense to have a non-playing actor for, you know, America or for NATO uh, who, you know, realistically should be theoretically pushing its NATO borders uh, into Eastern Europe? Does it make sense that, you know, Russia would be sitting around, you know, doing nothing as, you know, one of its former um, Soviet republics is kind of sending, you know, units through its territory? And... Nowadays, you'd say no way in the world. That doesn't make any sense at all because of, um, you know, you've just got to look at our current geopolitical environment. But back then in the early 90s, you're right, it was quite a lot like that. I mean, the, Russia was just on the, on the brink, no, sorry, the brink of, you know, financial collapse and was just having to do whatever it could to kind of gain favour from others to kind of keep itself going and not kind of go down the wrong path, which it inevitably did anyway. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. And, and uh, I mean, think about in, in dissolution, I've got the two units that are specifically U.S. rather than NATO, and yes. I gave them the power to move so that there could be some intervention. So, for instance, uh, the, there's the one fleet that starts in Naples, 
um, because the U.S. has a naval base there, um, or at least has some sort of sharing agreement with Italy about it. But um, that is basically intended that if players so choose to direct it, um, it can intervene in Yugoslavia. Um, that's kind of the abstraction that goes on there because Yugoslavia being a player, Yugoslavia's first initial turns are going to be to start swallowing up its uh, its uh, neighbors who are mostly former Yugoslavian states that have just voted for independence and broken out. And so if players so choose, which in this case they didn't, um, to send the U.S. Uh, you know across the Adriatic, um, they can have the U.S. intervene um, as Bill Clinton did. Um, and, you know, the other uh, unit being the other U.S. unit being in Kuwait, uh, just kind of representing, hey, we just finished the, the Gulf War. Um, things are not particularly great in Iraq, but they, you know, we haven't conquered anyone quite yet. But but we haven't left, really, um, if we think about it, like the, the fleet, the, the U.S. Navy for a good long while um, and still is uh, patrolling in that area. And so. It's, it's not so much that we take the U.S. completely out of the game. It's that we kind of look at that more limited role of interaction that, that comes when there's international uproar. Um, and I thought the, the conflicts in Yugoslavia were a good model for that. Absolutely. Um, I think also you mentioned a little while back when you started explaining how diplomacy points work within the game for non-playing players. Um, and... The way you outlined that, I think, you know, ticked a few boxes in my head where I went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I haven't actually done it. So I haven't used them as strategically as I should. So um, uh, I'm, I'm inevitably learning in this particular game how to actually, you know, play it and play similar games like that. So that was some, some good advice uh, that I can kind of at least take on board. The... Um, with the actual variant, this isn't the first time that you've played it in, in the play-by forum, isn't it? You've played it before a couple of times. Absolutely, the first time that this one. Oh, exactly. I've, I've GM'd, I've GM'd other games, but this is the very first playtest of this. So you you've kind of got in on the ground floor, and that's why there's a few rules that are not really working so well that I've marked for okay, this needs to be changed next time because. Um, yeah, because there's you know a lot of this was just trying things out for the first time. Um, some systems I knew worked like the DP system just because other games have been successful with them, um, and slight modifications on that made a little made sense to me at least. Um, but I knew that some of the stuff was just really experimental, and I um, and you kind of also came in at the end of what I called the playtest portion, where I introduced this game to the forum as this is a playtest. Um, you're only signing up for four years of it. And at the end of that four years, if you want to keep playing, we will absolutely keep playing. Um, if you want to bow out, you can do that um, without any hassle on my part. Um, you'll, you know, we kind of keep a, a running tally of who's played what games, and I'll you know, make sure that they get playtest credit for it. Um, but the idea being, uh, because it was so experimental, because some things just completely could maybe blow up in my face, as a GM, I wanted to be able to have the opportunity to hit the stop button and say, okay, we're good. But uh, so far, it's, it's gone at least well enough that people were really excited about continuing. Um, we've had to do some substitutions, um, and we're probably going to have another one or two as we go along just because the game takes a while and people's schedules changes and such. But uh, 
but overall it's it's gone really well um and i'm i'm very pleased with it i'm i i will eventually run another game of it i'm sure once this is done but it might be a little bit um because it is a little more involved so is there any particular things that jump out to you right now that you think yeah you'll you'll change certain elements of either rules or gameplay or map or anything like that or will there be an option for people to comment there's a couple of little nitpicky things with the map. Um, there's a, Iran. I thought had I'd given Iran a really strong starting uh, position at the beginning, but um, kind of looking at how not just how this one playtest went, but some other details with how um, the neutrals are arranged around Iran. Um, and that's, I guess, Ambi. That's one thing. When you came in, most of the neutrals were all dead, um, other than the uh, the nuclear powers. So um, that may <laughs> that may uh, warp your view of the game a little bit, but Iran just didn't have enough enough kind of buffer in between its neighbors, and so it kind of got swallowed up too fast. So there's a couple tweaks I want to do with Iran um, and with the the neighboring countries to to give a little bit more opportunity for that to be a real triangle relationship um, between Iran, Pakistan, and Kazakhstan, because um, right now that triangle is pretty heavily weighted toward a Kazakh pack. Um, alliance, at least until one decides to betray the other, which is, you know, just recently happened. Um, but uh, if I can help shift that a little bit so that there's a, a real viable chance of an Iran-Kazakh relationship or an Iran-Pakistan relationship, something like that, because those sort of triangles are fundamental to any variant. And, um, and I think that would make that position a little bit more interesting to play. Um, so there's some of that. Um, the other side is the the favor system, which um, this was this was the really experimental bit, which said at the early stages of designing dissolution, I was like, oh, and I could have personalities for all these different uh, major powers for the, the for Russia and for the United States. And the more I kind of tried to think about how would I actually simulate that, I was just picturing pages and pages of rules. So I held off on it and I said, okay, we're just going to leave that out and let the players decide what to do with it. Um, we'll just have a two point max cap on um, the number of DPs per nuclear that someone can spend so that basically nobody's too influential on any given one and they have to spread them about. And so that was like a simple way to do that and to avoid having making that overly complex. But then just there was some interest in really going back to powers that actually had a sort of simulated foreign relations that somebody pointed out that Iran starts with this really kind of good complement of units and, um, and has oil. And so what is it fair for them to have so many points that they'd be able to influence the U S more than someone else would, even though the U S and Iran were kind of like at each other's throats. Um, so I, I put it up to a vote and I, I kind of laid out a, an experimental system, which is what the favor system is now, and what, it, what the engage orders and advocate orders, and um, the protected status, things like that. I I threw together um, actually in just like the space of a couple of days a system for doing a simulated foreign relations grid, and uh, put it up to a vote to the the playtesting players to say, do we want to do this or do you want to do it simple? And it, the vote went toward the more complicated one. So. Um, that set of rules, um, because it is, I knew it was going to be experimental. I've just seen lots of things that I need to fiddle with to, to get it to work. 
but I, I think I'm going to keep it. I think uh, I'm not going to throw it out, but there's a lot that I, I need to go in and tweak. Uh, things like making it actually harder to get favor with uh, one power or another. And, um, figuring out things like the, the protected status, which has confused the hell out of people. And so it's confused the hell out of me. There was at least one adjudication where I'd totally forgotten about it. And so I realized afterward that um, even though even though there's some value to having something like that, um, it might be just a little too much from a rules standpoint. Like when you get to the point where you have to, where you really have to drill down difficult examples for explaining why this works one way and not another, you're, you're kind of shaving the yak um, or whatever they call it um, at some point. And, and it just, that, that level of detail, the, the game has so much to it already that, I, I'm hesitant to make it more complicated, and so I'm trying to figure out ways to, to both simplify it and keep the heart of it. Can, uh, can I just... Oh, yeah, go for it, can I? Yeah, yeah, I just want to jump in. You mentioned oil. Um, yeah. How, how, does, how does the oil resource work? What, yeah, what's so oil, oil, I made a very simple thing. Um, oil marks a few different SC spots um, on the map. I think there's a total of eight oils on the map. And I used a map of both, like, I, I didn't exactly have a map of 1990, here's where oil is, but I did use a, some, I did do some research on where um, kind of major oil refineries and where oil is being drawn today and other fossil fuels kind of eliminated natural gas because natural gas boom hadn't really hit yet. Also found out things like that uh, Romania, I didn't realize it was actually a big oil country for a long time. and it just kind of got sucked dry. And so by the 1990s, it was long in oil. Um, but based on that, uh, picked a few different SCs around the board to put a little oil icon on. And all that does, it does something rather important, but rather simple at the same time. If you control an SC that has, has an oil icon, and you have at least one of those, like so having multiple doesn't really give you an extra benefit. But if you control at least one of them, you get one extra DP per order space. What that really means is that uh, because there's a, a cap at four for the number of DPs you can get in other ways through having units, um, that means the people who have oil can go to five. Um, and sometimes that one little point per order space makes a big difference. What that also provides um, or at least the, the intention was that uh, basically Eastern Europe, a lot of those players minus maybe Yugoslavia had relatively good relations, especially with NATO, um, as, as NATO was looking to expand. Um, and, you know, today's NATO includes several, some of those countries. Um, and so I wanted to be able to say to have areas of the world where foreign relations may not have been the greatest, um, but because of that oil available to them, they had that type of influence. Um, that, you know, Iran wasn't really anybody's favorite uh, neighbor, but they were an oil-producing country, just like a lot of others, and, and you can't really ignore that. Right, okay. Well, thanks for, sh thanks for um, clarifying that one for me. So this isn't the first um, variant, obviously, you've created. Um, there was 1812 Overture before that, and as you mentioned before, you've also been, you know, working in, in partnership, um, 
I suppose, with, I guess best by talking about it, with Baron von Powell for Ambition and Empire. So what were the things that you learnt from your earlier variants creation that you then decided, look, that's what I need to be able to put into dissolution? After working on the Ambition and Empire, that was, I mean, that was really kind of my bit of education for dissolution. Um, I'd done 1812 Overture on my own, um, and there's some lessons I took from that for here, but it's really a different variant. The uh, the goal there is a much simpler, closer to diplomacy setup, just with some interesting twists to it, rather than this kind of full uh, mega experience with the NPCs and uh, you know modern translation of com you know combat and how do we do deal with things like you know, airplanes and such. Um, that it, that I. I took what I learned from Ambition and Empire, things like, I guess one of the fundamental lessons I got out of doing, you know, working with Baron on the latest edition of Annie, um, which is version six, he, had, he and Jeff had worked on the five versions before, um, was that balance, when you start getting to a certain point where you have enough players on the map, balance between the players is not actually even mathematically computable in a trivial fashion, nor is it really that important. Um, as long as you don't go completely overboard, um, like uh, the Imperial variant, if you've seen that on um, Vita, um, where there's like 14 SC powers at the start and four SC powers at the start. But if you keep everybody at least within some reasonable uh, measure of each other, you can have small and big powers and you can have these relationships that seem a little bit unfair, but because you've thrown enough people into the mix, um, the you're, you're giving them an asymmetric startup. You're saying, you know, this is somewhat of a historical scenario that you're going to jump into. You're not going to recreate history, but, but, you know, to be fair, um, in 1763, let's see. Yeah, I got that right. Yeah, 1763, which is when Ambition and Empire starts. Um, yeah, Habsburg Empire was pretty huge. Um, so there's a reason that they have more units. There's a reason that you know, Denmark-Norway just has two. Uh, there's a reason that Britain, um, which is Britain-Hanover in that particular game, has four units as well. So like these bigger powers do have an inherent advantage, but that just becomes part of the experience. It's um, because you are, you start bigger, the diplomacy changes. You, you know, there's more incentive for others to, to say, Ooh, this is a big one. We need to kind of keep them in check at, you know, at least for the first couple of years until things have balanced out a little bit more. So, um, that, that was, that was, uh, an important lesson because it's, it's, uh, balance isn't something you want to completely toss out. But um, the obsession over it, especially with high player number games, ends up being self-defeating. It ends up being a lot of um, circular arguments about how people are going to behave and trying to predict a lot of a lot of variables that are really just up in the air. And obviously, you um, must have looked at other variants and, and you know. Um borrowed liberally so to speak their ideas i mean the one that steps out more so it shines for me would be 1812 overture and how that kind of takes that concept from versailles of having like major power and a minor power that you can kind of control on the side as well which i think works really really well that's a very different yeah that one is definitely 
would say that one definitely took inspiration from Versailles. Um, 1812 Overture was kind of my attempt at making, in my mind at first, a better Versailles, but then I kind of just went about it as a different Versailles. Um, uh, because it, I, what I ended up with as a game is a very different experience um, from what Versailles provides. So calling it better is inappropriate. But um, but it was in a it was an approach to both handle that two power mechanic in a more interesting way that made the two powers a little bit more an even footing, um, while also um, bringing in a period of history that I just have a particular interest in, um, which is the Napoleonic era and the wars plural of eighteen twelve. Um, I, I always just kind of found it fascinating um, that we had, that in, in the United States, we, we learn a little bit about the War of 1812 in history, but we almost barely don't get into, we, we barely even cover the much bigger, bloodier, nastier War of 1812 that was going on between France and Russia and the kind of oncoming conflict that came after that. And so I wanted to see how those two things could be tied together. And it kind of clicked for me one day um, that I could take this one idea I'd been boiling in my head about how do I make a better Versailles and this other idea about how do I tie together the two wars of 1812 and make them into one variant. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's been pretty successful so far. Um, but, you know, there's always tweaks to be made and such, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed GMing those games and the players seem to be enjoying uh, seem to have enjoyed it quite a bit too. Yeah, I mean, I think I found about 1812 from um, Diplomacy World when I was reading about it and, and started explaining it to, to Kana whilst we were having a couple of drinks. And I think he was very, very excited by the concept of how it actually works. Um, is there any plans to have another game down the track or are you having, you're waiting until Disillusion's out of the way? Either. And so I, I kind of limit myself to GMing two games at a time. Um, and when one of them finishes up, I definitely have plans to start a forum game of, uh, of 1812 Overture, um, possibly I'm, I'm puzzling about maybe getting people off of the forum, at least to do interpersonal communication. Cause that's the one thing where forum games are just really not doing so hot. Um, uh, you can, you can do a lot of things with the forum, but, uh, messages back to back and forth to people are a royal pain. Um. But, uh, that, but yeah, I, I anticipate being able to uh, anticipate running an 1812 Overture game after either Dissolution or the, the game of 1900 that I'm running uh, finishes up. And uh, both you, uh, Ambie, and you, Kaner, you both are welcome to join it, and I'll uh, save you a spot if you'd like to play. I'm in. I'll, I'll definitely think... <laughs> Um, sorry, okay, so, so, so I'm a definite and uh, Kana's a, he'll think about it. So what does that mean, Kana? Oh, uh, yeah, look, at the moment I've got a lot on my plate and I don't really want to commit to something that I don't think... Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, but and, no, it's and I don't know when that's going to start anyway, so we'll just uh, we'll visit that when the time comes. But, uh, but yeah, um, pacing for a forum game or for an email game is going to probably be a little different than what you might be used to on a web game, so I don't know how often you've played by email, um, but... 
I quite actually enjoy the pacing because I find it's it's taking a little bit longer usually between turns so you do get that chance to talk and if you do miss a couple of days because something's been going on it doesn't really impact too badly on your position because you can easily catch up provided you remember when you're um, you know you're due for your moves. Um, and so how long does it normally take to kind of you know GM a game? Do you find I mean, I, I know just from the amount of time taking to play, it seems to take a while. GMing, does it take a while? Uh, yeah, I've gotten faster, faster at it over time, but it, it does take a while. Um, the map is all done in, I don't know if you're familiar with SVG, Scalar Vector Graphics, um, but uh, I have basically layers and layers of different objects and widgets that I'm moving around in um, a program called Inkscape. Um, that eventually maybe I could translate all that into something that could be automatically programmed and have the, the orders sprout up from here and there. But, but it ends up being a fair amount of manual work um, to draw out the orders, which is something I really like to do. Um, not everybody does that on the forum because it's, it can be a bit of a hassle, um, and it, it is a lot of work, um, especially for folks that are using something like uh, GIMP or... Um, even Photoshop to an extent, just because uh, those those have layer support, but the but when you start working with pixelated based data, um, the concept of an object changes. Um, you can in in SVG you can have a, an actual thing uh, that you can move around from place to place, and uh, you're not worrying about. Uh, which pixels it's taking up or what the background color is. You just got something you can drag and drop from layer to layer as needed. And when you're working in a pixel-based uh, image editor, that becomes a little bit harder unless you you know, are actually paying for the full Photoshop or at least have a, a legal copy. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, folks, I, I have a lot of respect for the, the other GMs who work with... Uh, with GIMP and such like that, because there's a lot of there's a lot of work involved in doing that, and so many of them will just do results, um, which is totally fair, um, and just sort of show um, here's where we were, here's where the orders were, and how they resolved, and and this is the result. So it's just kind of a before and after picture rather than the manner in which I do it, where it's sort of like you get your your results picture, but you also get your um, your orders picture, you get your picture your builds picture so that see of step of the game as it goes uh, personal sort of like go bigger it does take some time I've gotten into where it's about based on the number of players um, it's about 15 minutes per player per orders phase um, so dissolution can take about two and a half hours each orders phase to do the whole kit and caboodle and then I take a couple nights each week at home. I've got some designated diplomacy nights that I've worked out with my wife um, to make sure that, you know, I do get a, a window of time to really dedicate to that. Um, and that, that's why I have the, the adjudication schedule that I do um, so that it basically lines up with that. Well, you must have a, a fantastic wife. <laughs> she's pretty great. And she's been very supportive of this hobby. She, uh, uh, I think she especially appreciates that, like, from a money expenditure standpoint, it's not anywhere near as expensive as... Well, that's a, that's a lot of time. I, I didn't actually know that, you know, two and a half hours per um, phase occurs. That's that's dedication. So um, it makes me a hell of a lot more appreciative as a player. 
retreats. It's a lot quicker for retreats, and I have some things that help me out. I, uh, because I'm a programmer and think this way, I made an Excel spreadsheet that basically templates out all of my posts, um, and so I'll, I'll upload my images to Imager um, after I've done the adjudication, and I have a text file where I have all the text for the adjudication. And so I get the template from the Excel file based on, okay, all right, I've, put the, I've dropped the URLs for these images here. And so now Excel spit, spit out the whole goddamn post and it all in BB code because that's what the form uses. And so I can just copy that whole thing, insert the, the adjudication text in the right spot, and then I've got my post. So that piece of it, which that used to take a whole lot of time and was a royal pain, um, that goes a lot faster these days. Um, but the the image creation itself, because of just me being picky and how I like to do things, um, it does take a little bit longer. Well, there's probably two things that come out of that, that in my mind. The first one is, I mean, first up, I think your, your maps are just gorgeous. They're really, really nice. And it's, we're not just talking here about 1812 and, and Disillusion because you've also been involved and made the artwork for 1900 and Two Towers, as well as Ambition and Empire. Yeah, so um, they all look fantastic. Um, but the other thing, of course, is if it's taking that long to do the adjudication and manage all that process, are, are any of the variants that you're associated with working towards, you know, moving away from just being straight play-by-forum and going more towards, you know, a PHP or, you know, an online type of game that adjudicates itself? Yes. Um, so that is... So I mentioned that I, I try to GM two games at a time. Well... I, I do want to start another 1812 game here soon, but after that starts, I'm going to trim down to just one game at a time and a lot more time to doing a side project, which I have started, um, which is translating Baron Von Pals 1900 to um, the VDIP or WebDIP or both platform. Um, uh, I've already done a good deal of programming toward that, um, a lot of what I have to do is really nitpicky testing stuff at this stage. Um, though there is, there are still some things that still need to be coded. Um, but the the piece that you know people usually think of when they're building a diplomacy variant for VDIP, I imagine, is the the setting up of the map and positioning units and um, and plugging a bunch of coordinates in on the code page um, so that those get installed into the database correctly. Um, but in my case, I'm actually making some amendments to the core platform because there's some real gaps in sort of what features it allows currently. Um, and that's going to, I, I want to make sure I don't break anything in the process. Um, so things that that'll allow, th um, things that I'm working toward at the moment, um, or, well, at the moment, it's probably the wrong term. Things that at, for this long-term project, it's going to change things like being able to flag um, a given region uh, power by power as who can build there if they own it. So if you have, a, instead of uh, a kind of general rule of you only can build in the ones you start with, or you can build everywhere, or like some of them you can only build in starting positions that someone had, um, which is a kind of general rule across the whole board, um, it'll allow very specific rules about, okay, this one SC you can build in if you're this power, this power, this power, but not the rest of them. Kind of like the way in, I think, is it is it colonial, where set in Asia, where only Britain can kind of build in Hong Kong? 
yeah, things like that, where you might not start with a given uh, SC, but I want to make it more expandable so that so that when people want to do a variant like that, um, they don't have to hack in long SQL queries in order to make that work. Um, they can just set some flags in the database and and then it's available to them. So that's that's a goal. Um, and I'm doing that with 1900 mainly to, to flag a couple of them off uh, in this particular case, so that uh, because France can't build in Algeria and Britain can't build in Egypt. Um, so I need to make sure that those are turned off for building, but are still possessed by them at the start of the game. And so that's that's kind of one angle I'm going with that. Cool. So okay. So sorry. Is that 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 actually um, you're actually going to have to get into the the source code, the actual PHP mm -hmm. side of stuff, and not just make a variant specific. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, that's that's a lot of work there. Yeah, but it's it's one of these things where you can I I could hypothetically I mean it's going to require PHP regardless because the way that um, the the platform is currently set up is uh, well I don't, are either of you programmers? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we, we, we kind of, we, we've been involved in, in kind of playing with the PHP code and can kind of occasionally work things out, but it's purely by luck. Yeah, PHP, PHP is not my particular favorite platform, but I'm, I'm not the sort of person who says, we're going to replace this with another language because that's usually a disaster. Um, but PHP's manner in which it implements what's called inheritance, which is uh, the replacement of one set of functions with another set of functions that are that are similar but just changed in maybe a particular set of ways. Um, its particular manner of doing inheritance is kind of clunky and ugly, um, and that's really the only way that variants right now have ways of providing specific rules for themselves. Um, so some of that will still need to be done with 1900 and whatever variants that come along come along down the pipe. But they're, I'm trying to look at ways that the platform itself can improve with just some slight database changes and some slight code changes that will make making those changes in the future a lot less hacky so that instead of having to slap on a new version of eight different functions um, and rewriting a bunch of code there, you can just say, oh, well, I want to just use this particular mode as opposed to this particular mode, and I'm good. Um, so what, one example is um, in the code and in the platform, there's currently water, coast, and inland, is, or water, coast, and land, or something like that, um, as the three different territory types. Um, and those territory types are used to calculate whether or not you can do a convoy. Um, so if it's water, then a fleet that's in water can participate in a convoy. If it's a coast, then a fleet on that coast cannot participate in a convoy, but that coast can be a convoy destination. Um, if it's inland, it can't be a convoy destination, and clearly a fleet will never be there either. Um, so things along those lines, um, well, that doesn't allow for things like in 1900, where you have a space called Gibraltar that... Um, allows that works a lot like a coast where it can be a convoy destination, a convoy uh, point of departure and a ship within it within Gibraltar because it's really kind of both the Straits of Gibraltar and the little corner of land that's Gibraltar 
a ship that's in that spot can perform convoys. Um, so the current platform doesn't allow for that. And so the, one of the first code improvements that I've made is to add one more land type, which is called straight. Um, and so now there's a straight land type that um, I've gone through and found all the spots where the convoy logic is behaving and other logic that looks for this stuff to basically say a straight can be both of these things can behave like a uh, coast in these cases and can behave like water in these other cases. Um, and so by opening that up, that'll also allow if, uh, if people are so inclined to fix it, they can go back to the ancient med variant that's implemented on VDIP and uh, WebDIP and fix the change that's been made there where I think it's the Balearis are actually supposed to be convoyable through the Balearis, but because it wasn't compatible with the platform, couldn't be done. Um, so that's, that's the sort of things that I'm looking at with, with implementing 1900. Um, there's a couple other really tweaky rules that come with 1900 that I'm dreading uh, working on, but uh, and some of those will not be as wide across the platform. Some of those will be very specific to the variant itself, but but I think it's going to be really valuable for the underlying code at BDIP to start expanding what it can do, um, and that's uh, that's kind of my goal for that. If if I can get this project finished, which that might be a, a year um, before I get it completely up and running. If I can get it finished, you know, if I can get the, the admins at VDIP or WebDIP or both um, to let me run it on their platform, or if one of the, I know that there's a couple other uh, PHP sites that run on the same platform that sometimes do a little more experimental stuff. Um, but if we can get a play test and it works out pretty well, I think we are going to open the doors to a lot more interesting variants in the future. Uh, that sounds really, really exciting, Alex. Like that's pretty mind blowing, actually. <laughs> um, no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Where we could probably end up going with this. So yeah, yeah. I, d I don't want to get your hopes too much uh, up because like there's there's a lot of work to be done here, and a lot of this is just me working around on my own PC at the moment. I'm not don't really have the best platform to do a lot of the testing myself. And so that's, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that once I get this to a more portable state, um, that the, the admins at VDIP and WebDIP will be, um, inclined to let me <laughs> make these kind of changes. Um, but um, I, I think we can make some really cool stuff happen. I, I understand, uh, WebDIP is a bit more recalcitrant and sort of tampering with the code base um but you might have a bit more luck with vdip in that sense yeah um especially because it's variant related rules um some of the things that you spoke about like having um a straits convoy um option um has already been kind of hacked into some mm -hmm. of the um of the variants there um so we've got island um convoyable islands on the most recent world war format um, I'm pretty sure Zeus has got a, a supply centre that's just US specific. Anyone else who occupies it, it's not a supply centre. Um, sort of little ones like that, but they're they're just like little additional PHP hacks. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what I'm trying to avoid. Is I it, it's if it was just if if what I was doing would only ever apply to one variant, I'm. I can totally understand the hesitancy of changing the core code for it. But if 
um, if a rule seems to be common of, among lots of variants, instead of making every everybody do the same damn hack, um, why not make a better system to begin with? And so all I'm really adding is like a column to a table, um, a database table that that has a, a number in it and it'll have the ability to flag things on and off. Uh, it's just a way of collecting a bunch of binary true and false values all in one place. So I think I think once we get to that point, I could maybe even go through and upgrade some of the, some of these others that have been using a hack um, to use this kind of cleaner system, and it'll make it more testable, more repeatable in the future, and quite potentially more stable to to run and avoid any sort Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. yeah no, I mean, that's exciting. That that kind of sounds like a, a great spot to um, to you know, finish things up. I reckon, Kana. What about you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's um, that that's been great, Alex. Thanks for sharing with us um, sure. your your thoughts on the variants and um, your 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 current project that you're doing on the side. Um, that's that's been really sort of enlightening. And, and again, it'll be it'll be a slow process. So I, I I'm hoping I'm I'm committed to it, but I I don't want to get <laughs> I don't want to get um, people really disappointed when it doesn't show up for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. We we understand that things take their time, you know, life and all that. But you know, um, uh, that probably a really good idea would be to reach out to the mods on VDIP oh, yeah. and the admins there. Yeah, I've already, I've already, especially on VDIP, I've chatted a little bit um, with uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Um, Ollie. Ollie, yeah, Ollie, um, and he's given me several tips and. I've, I've asked a number of questions of him, mostly kind of art-focused, um, and I haven't kind of laid the bomb on him yet about what I'm planning to do with the code. Um, so maybe he'll hear this for the first time. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've made some work. I've gotten the Git repository set up on my side, and so I'm preparing to actually submit code once this is all done and, and do this the right way. Um, I'm actually, per, per some instructions, and part, part of why I mentioned WebDip, frequently is because um, like the simplest form of the code as they have it is the web dip implementation. So I'm kind of building it as if it was going to go on web dip and then going to port it to be um, immediately after. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your time, Alex. Everything you've kind of talked about today has been just really exciting, both with the variants that you've been involved in and then also your your side project for the future, which I think will, you know, has the potential to make a, a big impact, as you said. It's not just a little hack for one or two you know, variants. It has the, you know, the ability to make this a much more sustainable platform long term. So um, thank you very much for you know, you know, pushing that forward and thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, no problem. I really have enjoyed this and thank you for giving me time. I love talking about what I'm doing here. It's a, it's a passion. Yeah, and thank you very much from me as well. Well, it was uh, nice to meet you, Kaner. Um, uh, I've been, I guess, chatting with Andy on uh, the Dissolution Game, but uh, hadn't had a chance to talk to you much yet, so uh, it's good to good to chat. Yeah, and you might catch me on a um, on a Dissolution Game, perhaps the next oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. All right. Thanks again, Alex. I'll keep y'all in mind. So, pretty cool interview, eh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an awesome interview. Um, I really got excited about his stuff when he was talking about that. Um, actually going in and changing 
some of that core code to become um, more user-friendly in many ways, really. Uh, and his variance as well. Like It's very impressive, his thought process that he goes through to create his, uh, his variance. You yep. know, I was um, quite impressed with that. It's, it's good. And, you know, sounds like he's in contact with Dolby. Yeah. If, at, least, know, at least someone more is. Than, more than us. <laughs> um, You're an admin and you fucking uh, reach it. <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't tried recently, but... Um, no, no, but it sounds like he is in some sort of loose connection there, and um, this could be some really cool stuff come from it. Well, some of the stuff about how to improve the way that everything works so that it's not just a hack, hack after hack after hack after hack for various variants, actually make a... A more solid platform. A solid platform, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, that can only be good for the whole diplomacy environment online. Well, I... I I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, this has been a super long, super long. Super long, super pissy. Super long, super pissy. Um, as, as always, I hope leave, leave notes, um, write to us, let us know how we're going. Let we us know leave if we're notes, I thought you were going to say leaf. Leaf, leaf. <laughs> no, no, let us know how we're going. Drop us, drop us a line, you know. We do this for the love of the game, but it's still cool to hear love from other people. Um, yeah, and, and drop by, rate us, all of that other stuff that you usually say. Maybe. Yep. Because yep. you're slack at it. I'm slack at it, but yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to kind of set something up on PayPal or something like that. People can kind of, you know, dedicate, <laughs> you know. If you want to donate. Sh- sh- yeah, no, no, not donate. Like, shout us a round of drinks. Oh, Get us even more Yeah, here's one, here's one. Yeah, no one can be bothered to fucking rate and review us, but they'd be more than happy to get us actually fucking blasted. <laughs> yeah, for every time you hit a donate $5 button, one of going to have a beer. Yeah, yeah, we're out of it. Hey, this one goes too. All right. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway. So, I'm Ambi. I'm Kana. And you've been listening to Diplomacy Games, and have fun. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.